Hi listeners, it's Kat here from Castagast. I just wanted to take a minute outside of the show to let you know about Alter Ego Empowerment Coaching. It's time to invest in your relationship with yourself. We all have a tendency to put other people or tasks first, but in doing so, we can sometimes neglect our relationship with ourselves. Let me be your advocate and show you a kinder, gentler way to treat the most important person in your life, yourself. Alter Ego Wellness offers life coaching to help you achieve the life you desire through interactive online coaching sessions. We also offer online yoga and meditation classes. If you think Alter Ego Wellness may help you, please feel free to contact me, Catherine, at alteregowellness at outlook.com or at alteregowell on Instagram. Okay, now back to our show. Hey, gentle folks. My goodness, another episode of Castagast. We're happy to see you. We're happy that you have joined us. We got a fantastic episode today for you. A fan-fucking-tastic episode. It's going to be real fucking dark. All right, you ready? Here's what we got for you today. We got dropping out of school, starting a cult, a mail-order bride, and child support payments. If this sounds like your life, what the fuck are you doing listening to this show? <laughs> Go and do something. Do th- Fix the shit of your life and then come back and listen. Otherwise, you're going to end up on this show. Like this piece of shit. Yes, this is the story of Gary Heidnick, who was a complete piece of shithole trash. We hope you enjoy it. And best of luck. I'm John... Who's currently making some pancakes? And this is Castagast. Oh, goodness me. Goodness me. Happy Friday. Yeah, it's May. It is May. My birthday month. Yeah. Yeah, and we got some fun gifts. We're going to have a uh we're going to have an unboxing uh and ungifting. No, we will not. No. We, <laughs> I fucking hate that shit. I know. But anyways, <laughs> <laughs> we got some good true crime for you. Some real good, mm, feel good true crime. I don't know. But we'll see. Yes, you're. I think you're right. Is it? Okay. What do we got for today? We have a story of, right. of true crime. Nice. Yeah. I'm excited. A little different than usual. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Why don't you give us a disclaimer? All right. Disclaimer time. Hey, folks. Mm. We here at Castagast have a lighter touch to true crime. The lightest touch you can possibly imagine. We are like that bulbous, viscous phlegm that you feel in your throat after sleeping in front of a fan in a dusty home for eight hours, a drunken stupor, if you will. And you just, tw- 20 minutes after you wake up, you just push it up out of your esophagus and just gently on the back of your tongue, past your uvula, the salty discharge of that evening, just into your mouth. Tasting the salty dust and snot 
that collected in your throat during the evening. We are like that. That is the phlegm of true crime. And you and you hork it up into the watery oatmeal of podcasts. And the reason we have to have this air of levity is because true crime sucks. It always has and always will. And we have to go to work and make money because we're not making money off this. And we can't be riddled with PTSD from listening to these goddamn stories. So if you are not a fan of ridiculing, belittling, and shitting upon and insulting murderers and rapists and their shithole families that created them and all the other bastards that made life easier for these fucktards to do what they did. If you're not a fan of that, you're a clown and a fool and a liberal. For the rest of you, you're cultured and intellectual and we welcome you. So sit back, relax, grab yourself something alcoholic or whatever the fuck suits your fancy. Maybe a Maybe an Earl Grey tea with two ounces of whiskey. Whatever it takes to push down the pain. And let's get right pissed as we get pissed off. Bless your hearts and good luck. Thank you very much. Yeah, you're welcome. Now it's your turn. Try not to move around too much because we have squeaky chairs. We need better chairs. We need better furniture. We need a more professional. Please donate. (laughs) (laughs) A more professional podcast setup. Yeah. All right, are you ready? God damn it, am I ever... Get on with the goddamn show. Gary Heidnick was born November 22nd, 1943, in East Lake, Ohio. All right. Bad guy? Mm-hmm. 1943, just on the cusp. You know what that means. Old fuck alert! I'll lead an effective strategy to mobilize true international effort to pressure. <laughs> Fucking old people. He was the oldest of two children to Ellen and Michael Heidnick, who would divorce when Gary was three years old. For the first four years of their divorce, Gary and his brother lived with their mother. Then they were moved to the care of his father and their new stepmother. Gary had claimed that his father was extremely emotionally abusive. Gary had developed a bedwetting problem, and to humiliate him for doing this, Gary's dad would hang the soiled sheets outside in the front of the house to showcase to the neighbors what Gary had done. Jesus, that's... Extreme. That is extreme. Holy fuck. Look at my shitty kid pissing himself. (laughs) Gary's school and social life wasn't much better. He was teased about his appearance and the shape of his head, which was a... (laughs) Oh, no. Really? Which was allegedly misshapen due to an injury from Gary falling out of a tree at a young age. Oh, I don't know. And his brother did confirm that. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Don't climb trees, kids. (laughs) You'll end up looking like Quasimodo. (laughs) Or Stewie from Family Guy. Yeah. Though Gary was socially awkward, he excelled academically. At 14 years old, his IQ was 148, which led him to enroll in the Staunton Military Academy. 148? Yeah. So he wasn't possessed, (laughs) like we have learned. However, he only attended for the first two years, never graduating. He attended high school for another brief stint, but dropped out at the age of 17 and joined the U.S. Army. So despite being a genius, pretty much, he wouldn't, I wonder he, if he had was like, trouble with commitment. I wonder if he was, like, just bored with school. Yeah, maybe. That's didn't, a good point. Didn't feel like he was, it was getting challenging anything out enough. of it. It was challenging enough, yeah. Gary served with the U.S. Army for 13 months before he was honorably discharged in 1962 for suffering from severe headaches, dizziness, and blurred vision. He was diagnosed... Jeez, right, I suffer from that every weekend. <laughs> he was diagnosed with gastroenteritis and also displayed symptoms of mental illness. Oh, I think that's... I think my mom has that. She has to poo a lot. 
That's IBS. And and she also thinks the Liberal Party is good, <laughs> so she also has mental illness. <laughs> she Stop she it. enjoys watching the CBC. They trans they transferred. <laughs> Sorry. They transferred him to the military hospital where he would be diagnosed with schizoid personality disorder. During his time in the army, he had been trained as a medic and served in Germany at the 46th Army Surgical Hospital. His drill sergeant had graded him as an excellent student. Gary had become a licensed practical nurse and got a job working at a veterans hospital in Coatesville, Pennsylvania, but would eventually get fired for rude behavior towards the patients and bad attendants. Rude behavior? Like, what did he do? Like, just stand over the bed? You're sick! <laughs> it hurts! What did he do? I don't... If it what, what kind in of there, what, I would put it... What kind of fucking information <laughs> is this? In 1967, Gary had purchased a home and would frequent the Elwyn Institute, which is a home for the developmentally disabled. In 1970, Gary would attempt to commit suicide. It would be one of many attempts. This it sounds like the way the story's going is that it's unfortunate he was not successful. <laughs> this attempt came right after his mother had passed away. Gary had overdosed on his medication, which led to him being hospitalized. What medication was he on? Um, for his poopy? For his, like, antidepressants, for his schizoid Oh, for his mental mm-hmm. mental issues, not his poopy issues. <laughs> <laughs> it's for his shithead issues, not his shit bottom issues. Good one. <laughs> I can keep going. I don't give a fuck. I'm like hecklefish <laughs> over here. Yeah. You right? You burped? Yeah. All right. In October of 1971, Gary had founded a church. And yeah. No. no. <laughs> Remember the no. Children of Thunder? Oh, God. Someone with poopy and poopy brains <laughs> founding churches. No. He called it the United Church of the Ministers of God. Okay. Fun. It started off small with only five followers. That's pretty good to start off with, I would have yeah. to say. That's 500% more than I expected. However, in 1975, he had opened a bank account for the church, and by 1986, he had a large following and about $500,000 in the bank that was donated to him and from his followers. These people were all possessed. They, it was a scam. Like, he yeah. was, they were thinking he, they were donating to the church. But that's $2.7 million in today's money. That's fucking nuts. I know. That's ridiculous. In 1976, Gary had sold his home and purchased another with the church money. Gary was dating a woman that he had met at the Elwyn house, Anjanette Davidson. Her IQ was in the 40s. So she was possessed. He had moved her into the new home he had purchased. Gary impregnated Anjanette and they had a baby girl, Maxine. Maxine was taken away from Anjanette for being deemed unfit to care for her child due to her developmental delays. Shortly after that, Gary had kidnapped Anjanette's sister, Alberta. Oh my. Yeah. Yeah. Get the fuck out of here. Her name is Alberta. She was also mentally challenged. He had removed her from the care of the Harrisburg Institution on a day pass and never returned her. Oh my God. When police were called to his residence by Alberta's family, they had found her chained in the basement. Oh, for fuck's sakes. He would later be charged with kidnapping, rape, and aggravated assault and would spend some time in an institution for the crime. Just some time. What do you think the end game was for this? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Chained he her was, in a basement and raped her. Let's just say he was just getting his feet wet. Oh, for fuck's sakes, piece of shit. Gary had met his wife, Betty Ditso, through... <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry if anything terrible happens to Betty Ditso, but that's a that's an incredible name. Holy cow. 
He had met his wife, Betty Ditso, through a mail-order bride service. Get <laughs> this story is nuts. Where she, did you find this story? She was from the Philippines. And of course. After sending letters for two years, Gary had proposed to her, promising her a better, more lavish life in the U.S. with him. Oh, this poor woman. She flew over to the U.S. and they married in October of 1985. Almost immediately after wedding Gary, Betty's life with Gary took a very bad turn. Of course, yeah. Betty had come home one afternoon and found Gary in bed with three other women. Three other women. Yeah, like, they like, were sex workers. Like triple affair. Yeah. <laughs> Eventually, he would force her to watch while he had sex with other women. How do you force someone to watch? Like, he chained her down? Well, no, but she didn't. She was married to him oh, and a, knew no one she came from the philippines from the slums in the philippines you know like like not the best part of the philippines <laughs> gary began abusing betty and raping her over and over again oh for christ's sake this fucking cunt finally betty had the courage to leave gary after receiving help from the filipino community in philadelphia betty left gary without his knowledge and flew back home to the philippines literally philippines is better than living with yeah. this bastard Holy she just fuck. She discovered shortly after leaving that she was pregnant with Gary's child. On September 15th, 1986, she gave birth to a baby boy. Gary had now gone over the edge. Oh, he had, really? He had a burning desire to own sex slaves and have an abundance of children. Oh, for fuck's sake. On November 25th, 1986, Gary had picked up Josefina Riviera, who was working as a sex worker. He had picked her up and took her back to his home. Josefina and Gary engaged in what he had hired her for. Of course. But when it was time for Josefina to get dressed and leave, Gary had choked her until she fell into unconsciousness. He dragged her down to his basement and chained her up. Oh, for fuck's sake. So what is with this guy in basements and chains? He then, he then poured super glue all over the shackles and chains so there would be no way that she could break them and get out of them. Oh, that's fucked. Yeah. While Jesus. she was chained in the basement, Gary began digging a pit in the basement floor. Naturally, Josefina was desperate to escape and was screaming for help. Gary had beaten her so severely until she stopped. After he was done, he threw Josefina inside the pit and put a board that was weighed down on top so she could not escape. Jeez, like this was before like Silence of the Lambs, mm. like... Yeah. Holy fuck. Well, you'll hear Buffalo more. Buffalo Bill, you fucking asshole. You'll hear more about that at the end. It's oh, funny that you'd pick up spoiler. on that. Spoiler. <laughs> Gary had told her that he had planned to have up to 10 women chained down there with her so he could impregnate them all. Oh, my God. On December 3rd, 1986, Gary had abducted Sandra Lindsay. She was also developmentally handicapped. Gary had met her before and he had impregnated her, but she had an abortion. The abortion angered Gary, which prompted him to go after her next. Gary now had Josefina and Sandra chained in the basement. He would beat and rape them regularly oh and, would, Christ. and would keep them both in the pit at times. On December 23rd, Gary had met 19-year-old Lisa Thomas. He had taken her out to dinner, then took her out for a small shopping spree at Sears. Oh my God, Sears! <laughs> I cannot live another day without air conditioning. Says tomorrow's gonna be hotter. Hotter? Like yesterday. Yesterday? Yesterday you said you'd call Sears. I'll call today. You call now. I'll call now. Now's the time to save on Sears installed central air conditioning. From iconic Canadian department store to bargain basement frenzy, this is how Sears ended more than 60 years in Canada. <laughs> what the S? <laughs> And after that, he had invited her over to his home. 
While she was there, he had given her a beer, and the two watched a movie before heading upstairs to have intercourse. <laughs> That's a good agenda for the evening, I suppose. Once up there, he began strangling her. Oh, for fuck's sake. Shackled her and took her down to the basement. On January 2nd, 1987, he had kidnapped another woman, Deborah Dudley. Immediately after bringing her down to the other woman, she was shackled and put in the pit. Deborah would scream all day and all night, shouting to be let go. And Gary would come down and beat her with a stick that had nails in it. Oh, Christ. What the fuck? Despite this, Deborah would still refuse to cooperate with Gary. Good for her. But, like, that's not going to end well. I can't imagine that ending well. Gary now had four women chained in his basement. He would rape and torture these girls, force them to eat dog food, and would force them to fight each other. He didn't want anyone to have any allies and work against him. He would also force the girls to have sex with each other. On January 18th, Gary would kidnap a fifth woman, Jacqueline Askins. He had picked her up with the promise of money for just a half an hour with him. This is fucking horrible. When he got her to his house, they played a video game called Mr. Do. Do you know that one? No. No. I'm not an idiot. (laughs) After about 45 minutes of Jacqueline being at Gary's, he grabbed her and put her in a headlock, and he dragged her down to the basement. In an interview with Philadelphia Magazine, Josephine stated that Gary treated the women as if they were in the military, continuing to make them fight each other and turn on each other. He would reward whoever would rat out each other for misbehaving, so the girls would sadly turn on each other to be the next one favorited by Gary to get more privileges. Jesus. Isn't it sad that that's how... It's survival mode. Yeah. Yeah. It's so sad that 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 can happen. Like, there's five of them. Like... I know. They should be able to kick his fucking ass next time he comes down for a rape. They're chained. Oh, yeah, that's right. They're fucking still, though. Fuck. He would treat the one who would tell on the other girls with special treatment. He would let them watch TV, sleep outside of the pit, eat regular food, and more. Wow. On February 7th, Gary had become infuriated with Sandra, and so he hung her to the ceiling by the shackles by her wrists. Oh, Christ. So, like, she was shackled on her wrists, and he hung her by... you would, like, dislocate your fucking arms that way, right? Yeah, so she was dangling by her wrists and was left there for three days. Holy fuck. On the third day, Sandra was slumped in a standing position still, and Lisa had thought that she had fallen asleep. Lisa had checked on her, but she wouldn't respond, despite Lisa slapping her face over and over again trying to wake her up. Oh my god. She had died from suffocation because with her arms being above her head for so long, her oxygen had been cut off. Oh, so it was, kind of, it was kind of like being crucified almost. Yes. Gary had taken her body upstairs, cooked her ribs and head, and dismembered the rest of her. Gee, cook, cooked her ribs and head? Yeah. He oh. had fed Sandra to the dogs and to the other women. Oh my God, to the other women. Holy fuck. Four days later, Gary's neighbors had complained about a terrible smell coming from his house. Police did make a house call and questioned Gary about the smell, but he was able to convincingly tell them that he had burned a pot roast, which explained the smell. Oh my goodness. What the fuck? On one occasion, Gary was convinced that some of the girls were plotting against him, so in order to prevent them from making plans, he had gagged them and drove screwdrivers into their ears. Oh Jesus, what the fuck? Deafening them to prevent them from being able to hear each other. What the fuck is this shit? Gary then took the thrill of electrocution, except for Josephina, the only captive that Gary didn't physically abuse, at least not to the severity of the other girls. 
He had treated her with more kindness and would give her more privileges because Josephina was in survival mode and would assist Gary with the some of the, the torture with some of the girls. Oh, for fuck's sakes. She did this so she he wouldn't hurt her. He had made her somewhat of an accomplice. Yeah. Gary had cut an extension cord revealing the wires and would place the exposed wires on the shackles of the girls, sending electricity through the cuffs into them. He would also apply the cord directly to their skin at times. One day when Deborah was being more difficult for Gary, he had grabbed her and dragged her upstairs. When she returned, she was much quieter and more fearful. When the girls asked her what had happened, she said, frightened, that Gary had taken her into the kitchen and showed her a pot that was sitting on the stove. It was Sandra Lindsay's head. Holy fuck. He also showed her Sandra's cooked ribs and dismembered limbs in the fridge. After a few days, though, Deborah began acting out again, refusing to be tamed by Gary. Gary made Josephina fill the pit with water, and he shoved Jacqueline, Lisa, and Deborah into the water-filled pit, and he put the top on it. He then fed the exposed electrical cord into the air holes of the top and sent a wave of electricity through the chains through all the girls. Then when he did it a second time, the cord had directly touched Deborah's chain, sending the majority of the electricity through her. It had killed Deborah Dudley. Holy shit. Gary left the room, and when he came back, he had a pen and paper with him and made Josephina note the time and date on the paper and write a statement that said that she had helped Gary electrocute Deborah, saying that if he was ever caught, he would take her down with him. Gary had put Deborah's body in the freezer and then allowed Josephina out of her shackles and to go upstairs and put clothing on. Oh, this is this is so fucked. Holy shit. As I had already mentioned, he treated Josephina differently. He would take Josephina out to eat and to even go shopping. Of course, these wouldn't go without threats. He would continuously threaten her that if she ever ran away or if he was ever caught, he would play insane and that she had helped him. On March 22nd, Gary had taken Josephina to a wooded area they had previously seen while out. He decided this would be the perfect place to dump Deborah Dudley. He had dumped Deborah in the Pine Barrens while Josephina waited in the car. Gary had wanted to replace Deborah with another captive, so he took Josephina out for a drive to find her replacement. They happened upon Agnes Adams, a sex worker who Josephina knew and who Gary also knew and had paid for on two previous occasions. They had negotiated with Agnes, and after reaching a satisfactory price, she went home with them. Oh, God damn it. Gary took her upstairs where they had intercourse, and afterwards she would find herself naked and chained in the basement. Of course. On March 24th, Josephina was able to convince Gary to let her go see her family. How the fuck did she do that? (laughs) This took a lot of convincing on her part, and once she had promised to bring back a new girl for his collection, he had agreed. So she knew his weakness, obviously. Yeah, she, yeah. They had planned... With a fucking IQ of 148, he couldn't see through this. And with her helping him so much throughout it, he might have truly thought we're partners in crime. Yeah. They had planned to meet at a gas station at midnight, and she would have the new girl with her. That day, Gary had dropped Josephina off near her apartment. As soon as he was out of sight, she bolted running towards the apartment that she had lived in with her boyfriend. The night she went missing, they had gotten in a terrible argument and she had left. That was the night she was abducted. All this time, her boyfriend had thought she was just staying somewhere else mad at him. Really? Yeah. Holy cow. 
He couldn't believe the story Josefina was telling him. He became overcome with anger and was ready to go to Gary's house and deal with him. Oh, no kidding. However, Josefina was worried that this would put the other girls in danger and was able to calm him down and the couple called the cops together. After telling the cops the story and showing the marks on her body left from Gary and the shackles, they went together to the gas station where Gary was waiting for Josefina in his car. When they drew their weapons and approached Gary, he had thought this was all over child support payments from Betty's child in the Philippines. Oh, really? Yeah, he put his hands up when they approached his car and he's like, is this about the child support payments? Oh my God. After what four, a fucking ass. I know. After four long months of torturing these women, Gary had been arrested. Wow. Police had arrived at Gary's home on March 25th, 1987 at 5 a.m. They broke the door down and headed to the basement. Police first found Jacqueline Askins and Lisa Thomas asleep in the freezing cold basement. They were dressed only in shirts and socks. The police had seen that they were chained up to pipes. They had asked the girls if there was anyone else, and they pointed to the spot on the floor that had a sheet of plywood on it and heavy sacks. When they removed the sacks and the board, they found a naked Agnes Adams. Oh, my God. The girls were freed and immediately taken to receive medical attention. While they were receiving that, the police continued their search and investigation of Gary's residence. They found the pot on the stove that once held Sandra's head, but it was now only filled with a yellow, fatty substance. Oh, God damn it. They found a baking dish in the stove that held a rib, and they found Sandra's limbs when they opened the fridge. Limps. That's, that's fucked. In June of 1988, Gary Heidnick had made his first appearance in court. Gary tried claiming that the women were already in the basement when he had purchased the home. Are you, <laughs> are you fucking kidding me? Like, give it up, you stupid fucking cunt. Like, holy shit. He then tried to claim insanity, but that didn't go through either. Ah, you're not possessed, you stupid fuck. He was convicted on July 1st, 1988 for kidnapping, rape, aggravated assault, deviant sexual intercourse, and two counts of first-degree murder. He was sentenced to death. Good. Kill the fuck. He did try committing suicide by overdosing on his medication, but it only put him in a coma for a brief amount of time. Yeah, stupid bastard. On July 6, 1999, a little over 11 years on death row, Gary Heidnick was ex executed by lethal injection. Good. He Finally, one actually fucking killed. He was 55 years old. Author Thomas Harris claims that Gary Heidnick was one of the inspirations for his character, James Buffalo Bill Gum, in the novel Silence of the Lambs. Oh, of course. Yeah. And that's the story of Gary Heidnick. That's his picture? That's him? That's him. He does not look like someone with an IQ of 148. I know. He looks like someone who chews with their mouth open. Oh, Jesus. Look at him and there. that was him when he was, uh, like, executed. Jeez, he looks like fucking... Charles Manson. Yeah, he looks like Charles Manson's ugly brother who mm -hmm. was shit out of his mother's ass. <laughs> I don't see the misshapen head, though. Maybe a little bit yeah, a little on bit. his left side. He looks like someone who drives like like a Tercel <laughs> with like duct tape over the... Uh, the wheel wells? The wheel wells, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like someone who like has OCD, but only... Around picking his nose. Ew. Like he has a he has a favorite place to put the snot. Ew. Like on the side of his couch. Like it's be, it's become like a topographic Ew. map of like the Rockies. Stop. He looks like someone with straight pubic hair. Yeah. 
Yeah, that I would agree with that. And this is the the basement. Oh, for fuck's sakes! It looks like the set of Sounds of the Lambs. Holy so shit! That's the pit. That's what this plywood slid back, and those are the sacks that he had over it. That's the uh, the pit from an overhead shot. Holy fuck! Yeah, so the, that's those are the victims when they were found, and you can see wow. they were barely dressed. Yeah, no kidding! Holy cow! In a basement, like yeah, Jesus. So these are all the... Yeah, these are all of them. This is Josephina. Um, and these are the two that passed away, Sandra Lindsay and Deborah Dudley. Holy fuck. They were all so young. Yeah. What a piece of shit bastard fuck. Mm-hmm. Quite the story, eh? Jeez, I did not expect that story to be... I did not expect it to be like that. Mm -hmm. I didn't think I would wake up today and listen to this fucking story. Well, you told me to get back with the dark. Yeah. Yeah. It is our shtick. <laughs> Holy Christ. Yeah. I'm just glad that he fucking, they fucking killed him. It's a shame that it was lethal injection. Like, I, I swear, like, why do we give a fuck if they're killed humanely? It was 99, right? So, like, fucking most, town hanging. Most states were um, phasing out the... Oh, that's so annoying. Like, they should kill these assholes, like, fuckers on death row. In the same manner that they killed others. Yeah. Oh, I agree. Like, someone should have raped him in the fucking ass with a goddamn pool cue. Or beat him and with then, a... And then hang him from the ceiling by shackles and his dick for three days. And beat him with a board that has nails in it. Yeah, like, fuck that lethal injection. So, how about we cleanse the palate? Alright, yep, let's cleanse the palate. Have you read this one yet? That seems a little bit too long. For, no, I'm going to read it, but oh, it okay. seems a little bit too long for a Randy Savage quote. It's like they caught him in a lucid moment or yeah. something. <laughs> okay, let's listen to the erudite words of his savageness, Randall Savage. I used to hate old-timers who didn't praise the young wrestlers, but you've got to pass the torch sometime. If you're old, that torch gets too heavy for you and you can't carry it, so it won't do you any good. Holy fuck. Mm -hmm. I have never heard an old person say that. I think that, I, and that's very well said. That is well it said. It gets too heavy for you, so what's the point of carrying it? Like, move the pass fuck it, on. Pass it along. Baby yeah. boomers everywhere, you fucking retire. assholes. Retire. Fucking retire and move on. Move out and move on. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Good for him. I have... More. Way more respect for fucking Macho Man Randy Savage. We had a lot for him to begin with. So. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, I gotta go to work, sweetie. All right. Some of us have to provide for this family. Thanks for sticking around, folks. We hope you enjoy it. And we hope, well, we hope you enjoy it. And we hope you enjoyed it. All right, everyone. Okay, have a great day. Drive home safely. Goodbye. Bye. You can check us out on YouTube at Catam Concoction. That's C-A-T-A-M-C-O-N-C-O-C-T-I-O-N. <laughs> and on Instagram at cast underscore aghast. Remember, there's a silent H. <laughs> <laughs>
John for getting his lines, everyone. <laughs> Whore. All right. <laughs> then they were moved to the car. Oh. Then they were moved to the car. Gastro enter gastroenteritis. Gastroenteritis. Gastro. How come you don't ask Google how well, to say I, these things before we I get started? I skipped, anyways. Oh, God. Gary was dating a woman that he had met at the Yulin house, Anne Jeanette Davidson. Her- you, you got Yulin right, but you, <laughs> you couldn't fucking get some of these other <laughs> names right? Yulin? How do you know it's not Elwin? I think I said Elwin before. Did I say Yulin now? You said Yulin. Oh, <laughs> no, like it's Elwin. From, like from Bulgaria. I said Elwin <laughs> before. <laughs> Don't touch me. But when it was time for Josefina to get dressed and leave, and leaved, he would reward whoever would rat out another for misbehaving. So the girls would sadly turn on each other. So the girls would trap. Oh, it, it's it's okay reading. 